following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Welcome to the game. I'm Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale and Big Steve. No David G, no Sage. They're both off today. But man, do we have plenty to talk about, including the Kansas City Royals. They have decided to 86 the hitting coach. Wrong coach. Meanwhile, and that's an argument we can bring up here in just a moment. (laughs) You are going to hear from K-State guard, point guard Marquise Noel, who spoke to the media over the weekend. And he had some uh, pretty interesting things to say about what the last couple of months have been for him meeting the new coaches, also them putting together a whole new roster and him being kind of a, a face of that movement, doing some recruiting himself. Number one song of the day, Ask Us Anything. But first, Detective Mitch has to take over for a second. All right, mentioned a few weeks ago, we got the new TV here in the studio. It works. Big Steve hooked it up for us, and it works very well. It's awesome. I use it every day. However, there's somebody here in the station that has been casually – Every day, Monday through Friday, watching Dr. Phil. So Detective Mitch is on the case. Who has been around here watching Dr. Phil? That is something we need to know. Is it you, Big Steve? You've been watching Dr. Phil? No, I have not been. I'm just trying to think. What channel even carries Dr. Phil? Let's see. So right now it's the same channel. I have not turned it. Okay. Ellen is on right now. That is KSNT, so that's NBC. So my thought process... Nobody watches NBC in the morning. Somebody is flipping to this channel. Here, hold on. Let me set the mood for you. No, oh, did, yes, Detective Mitch is on the case. Private investigator. I hire myself. Now, see, I was thinking that, you know, it could very well be that Brandon or Nick, when they're in here... Handling in focus. Now, have it on because the Today Show is on still at nine o'clock. The reason I bring this up, this is really the point at I'm getting at. You know, if you like Doctor Phil, that's great. Whatever. I'm not personally a fan of the show, but whatever. If it's your thing, it's your thing. This is not a Doctor Phil crowd that's here during the day at the radio station. You would think, and it's not like we have time to sit around for an hour and watch Doctor Phil. And it's not exactly educational TV, I would imagine. It's it's really reality TV, right? It's one of those talk shows. I don't know if it's exactly educational. Am I wrong? Is that not one of those trashy talk shows? It it is, essentially. And yes, it is educational because it reminds us... (laughs) It teaches us how some of the others live. How about that? Some of the others (laughs) live. Yes, we get... um, (laughs) We get to watch other people's drama get played out. Oh, about the only thing we need now is Jerry! 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 Okay. I don't think that show's on anymore. It isn't. He gave up finally. That was a shtick that went for a long time, and it shouldn't have. You are also correct. That's another one, but it also wasn't that way for a little early on. (laughs) All right. What do we got here? Oh! 
So this is from the Friday show. And uh, it was Thursday. I'm sorry. It was Thursday because we have a best of Friday. Thursday, that's when uh, sports gambling in the state of Kansas was legalized, right? Laura mm-hmm. Kelly signed the, the thing. Correct. And so we can start throwing some cash around and start betting on stuff. So we bet on something. And it just so happened that Kansas Speedway was hosting NASCAR this past weekend. And on Sunday was the Advent 400, Advent Health 400. Mm-hmm. And we all just drafted drivers. And we put a gallon of gas on the line. You know how expensive that is these days. And we all got mocked by Paul. We got mocked by Paul. As a matter of fact, I ran into him. He was uh, he thought that segment was hilarious, but he wanted in on it. So maybe next time, Paul. <laughs> we don't know anything about NASCAR, so we're just throwing some... Basically, we're just throwing money in the wind and we're seeing where it goes. Which is basically what buying gas is at this point. All right, so I picked Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., William Byron, Ryan Blaney, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick. You picked Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Alex Bowman, Chase Briscoe, and Eric, help me out with this one. Amarola. Amarola. And then uh, DG had Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain, Brad Keselowski, Daniel Suarez, and Christopher Bell. So the winner was Kurt Busch. Nobody picked him. Nobody picked him. I did notice you had William Byron. What are you flicking over there? Oh, sorry. It's the pen. Uh, You had William Byron. I had Chase Elliott. Both got scuttled because of left tire issues that plagued. Wait, so did you actually watch this? I did. Just briefly, just to see how it ended. How my pony's doing. What's that? said, how my pony's doing. Watching Chase Elliott lose a left rear tire off to the side, rolling down the track is... It was rather odd. Not what you normally expect out of a NASCAR race. So I know DG is not here, but he'll be pleased to hear that um, he won again. Damn it. So basically the way that all works is you take how everybody finished, Mm -hmm. and then you add up the placing, and whoever had the smallest number would win. Uh, DG was 64. I had 81, and Troy with a red-hot 120. DG, he had a guy go third, second, third, seventh, fifth, and seventh. So he had four of the top ten, and then 14 and 33. So he did a job well done. He he was the expert, right? He had so many stories and so much expertise to share on NASCAR. He was the winner. I finished in second. I don't know what it is, though. Like, I lose, and all of a sudden, I have the itch again. I need to gamble now. I, I got to put some money on somebody the Royals, they play the White Sox tonight, right? The White Sox stink. Let's put let's put some cash on the Royals tonight. They're at Kauffman Stadium. So what you're saying is I need to look up the gambling addiction helpline for you now, right? Well, that's what people were saying, like the ones that were uh, saying nay to making sports gambling legal in the United or in the Kansas. They're like, we're just going to make this state more attached to gambling. They're going to be addicted. And I'll, I, I don't know. They might be right. I feel like I need to gamble again. Can we bet on something? Is there something out there other than baseball? Because baseball is a dangerous thing to gamble with because it's very unpredictable. <laughs> I learned that the hard way in Vegas back in 2015. I parlayed on three baseball games. I picked the favorites. All the underdogs won. And I would have won like $600 if I just did the opposite thing. So Big Steve will find something for us to gamble on. Maybe we'll do something next week. Next week's Preakness. No, this weekend's Preakness. Maybe we could do something later this week. I don't know. 
No, uh, no Kentucky Derby winner in it, though. What happened to that horse? They are holding out. Disqualified for biting afterwards? No, nope. Holding it out for the Belmont. Okay. Okay, so why are we not going for the Triple Crown, guys? There's an issue with some who feel that because the races are too close together, that they don't want to put the horses through having to do that quick of a turnaround. What is this, boxing? We're not taking months off between fights here or races. They would like to. Catch your breath and get back out there. They would like to go four weeks in between. Expand it from the two to go to four. All right, I want to talk some baseball right now, but it's not about the Royals. We'll get to that here in just a moment. In the next segment, we will. All right, we need to get some primer on this show first before we just dive into this Royals discussion that I had to do a whole bunch of uh, research on because I'm maybe not uh, maybe not quite up to speed on what the Royals have done this year. I kind of am, but it's not like I watch them every day. No, as a matter of fact, I wanted to bring up K-State baseball to start things off because uh, D. Scott Fritchin put out an article earlier today for the K-State Sports Extra. I think it was today. is about K-State baseball and Toyton Magic because the Cats once again, and for the third time this year, hit a home run in a comeback eighth inning to win the game. And, uh, well, this time around, it just happened to be old Nick Goodwin. Cole Johnson behind Goodwin, awaiting on deck. Goodwin sends one well hit towards right, towards the corner. It's gone! A grand slam by Nick Goodwin! Oh, the legend himself, Brian Smuller, on the call. And if you've been out to Toyton Family Stadium, you know what this song is all about. It's going to kick in here. That is the home run song for K-State baseball this year at Toyton. And it was played 60 times in 28 games. Dang. That is one thing Pete Hughes has done, of among other things, has done well with his tenure. And that's bring power hitting. Because last year's team set the record for most home runs in a season by a team in 2021 with 89. Well, this team this year is, uh, you know, in a way, knocking on the door themselves. They're wanting to threat that record. This year's team has 78 with at least six games to go. Now, the difference is they're going on the road, and K-State altogether has hit 78 home runs, and I mentioned 60 of them have been at home, so that means, of course, do the math, 18 have been away from Toynton Family Stadium. But I just I wanted to mention the Toynton Magic. It's not the first time this has happened. I mean, on a senior day, if you go back to last year, K-State hosting Number five TCU at home. The Cats are looking for the series victory. TCU is looking for a Big 12 championship. And the Cats are down four in the ninth inning. The Cats storm back, tie it up, put two men on, Chris Ceballos on the first pitch. Jacks one over the left field wall, and it's a walk-off winner for K-State on Senior Day. Go back to 2018 Senior Day. It's the last home game 
for Brad Hill against the Kansas Jayhawks. Hans Harker with an RBI hit, and the Cats walk it off in the bottom of the ninth. This is not the first time we've had some Toyton Family Stadium magic. However, I will say another good thing about these last couple of years for K-State, winning at home. K-State finished their home record this year 21-7. and They lost just two home series this year, and they were against the number four and the number six team in the country. But they also won a series against Texas, mm-hmm. and now they've won four straight series at home. Now, yesterday was the home finale for this team. Uh, potentially the last time I do see Dylan Phillips in a K-State uniform, among other guys as well. There's a number of transfers that were mentioned uh, yesterday as well during the Senior Day festivities. Um, but it's also the first time since 2009-10-11 where K-State has put together back-to-back seasons with 20 wins at least at home. Now, the issue has been trying to get it done on the road this year, and it's, once again, it hasn't been, I suppose, the best run. They're 6-13. and 6-13 and 13 on the road, but the Cats, you know, they have found some momentum. It's the second half of the season in the Big 12 play, and they started out with the toughest start to Big 12 play in the history of the conference, and K-State can say they've done that now two years in a row. But what they've done in the second half of the season – is get the job done. Unfortunately, they weren't able to get it done at Oklahoma, but at home, they've been able to get it done. With the win yesterday, they have punched their ticket to Arlington. They're seventh place right now in the Big 12 standings. Now, as a threat for a regional, I mean, they got to go to Arlington to win it. They got to go to Arlington and win it. But I love the Toyton Magic nickname. They have played great baseball at home this year, played great baseball at home last year hitting the ball out. They always put on a show. And let me add this as well. The crowd at Toyton Family Stadium this year has been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I know we've dealt with a lot of bad weather for like the midweek games. It was like every midweek game this year. We did not have good weather. Windy, cold, precipitation. We ran into it all. But on the weekends, the K-State fans have shown up. And I got to tell you, I've done K-State baseball PA, I think, for seven years now. This year was the most fun, I feel like, just with the environment at Toyton Family Stadium this year. And not to mention the woo! (laughs) That has become a thing this year. And it started, I can't remember who it was against, but K-State was closing out a victory the Ric Flair button gets pushed, and everybody starts wooing, and it doesn't stop, and it doesn't stop. Not even with the button being pressed. hasn't wasn't pressed after that, I believe. Maybe later, later on it was, but the woos kept going, and that's carried on. Head coach Pete Hughes said last week on the show that high school teams have now adopted mm-hmm. this and done it in their dugouts to try to get a rally going or trying to shut down an opponent and win a ball game. That's what I've really loved about this year. It's been fun to be at a Toyton Family Stadium, watch the Cats win 21 out of 28 games at home, and the crowd being into it. That's been a lot of fun this year. And I hope that's something that continues on next year, the woo thing, because I did four years ago say to the person that kind of was the the head of production for those games, I was like, you need to add a Ric Flair button. (laughs) Yes, I am 100% taking the credit. For that Uh being added to the sound system Uh because I was the one that pitched it. 
And I'm going to kind of take my victory lap around the bases on this one. This is my Woo! home run. And so uh, <laughs> I love that that's become a tradition now. And I hope it carries on because that is, that's what Toyton Magic is all about. I hope that nickname sticks around as well. Woo. If you're going to woo, you got to go all out. <laughs> I already did. There's man. no 10% woos on this show. <laughs> Do I need to play the music for you? So you no, that's okay. It's all right. It switched to a Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack thing anyway. All right. When we come back, we're going to jump into Royals because they ditched the hitting coach. But what about the pitching coach? That's up next. Shout out to Paul. All right. T guy coming through. He's giving us an idea of what we can gamble on. The PGA Championship is this weekend. So we jump from NASCAR to golf again. Something else. I've heard of the names. I'm not sure I can tell you exactly who would be the favorite. I could just start start picking some names and best of luck to everybody involved. Maybe we'll let Paul be involved on this one. We'd have to do it Wednesday. It's going to be a weird week for the show, by the way, because we're definitely short tomorrow. Maybe If we, if, if we even make it with a show tomorrow. Yeah, Royals, we'll see what happens. Hey, you know what? New heading coach, maybe the games go from two hours, 45 minutes, to now three and a half. That would certainly shorten up the show because they have a doubleheader tomorrow. But it's also, it's a 110-610, I think, doubleheader, it right? Is. With the White Sox. Yep. And then, so K-State baseball. But the thing is, baseball is at number three, Virginia Tech tomorrow so they'll start at six so that means pregame at 5 30 correct and then thursday and friday they're at west virginia and they're gonna have first pitch at five i'm sorry 5 30 is that right big steve 5 30 first pitch yeah with pregame so, at five yep. so five o'clock pregames on thursday and friday so we're gonna have to really adjust things to make sure we get our typical things plus in, wednesday wednesday will be after er, sorry thursday will be afternoon royals as well oh so is that right? So that might be a pinch as well. Pre-game at twelve thirty on Thursday. So wow, yeah, we are a little bit. We short are this all week. over the map this week. Hmm. We'll try to we'll try to make it work. We'll try to make it work. We'll we'll move some things around. Maybe tell Dy. Well, hey buddy, maybe two segments this week. Let's uh, <laughs> instead of the uh, old three. Right. right. Well, I will say though. I mean, it's been a qu- it's been quiet though for. I mean, we'll get to some football recruiting at 510 as uh, Coach Kleiman adding a couple of more guys added that depth in the secondary, which overall I feel like is a positive thing when it comes to the guys they did add. Um, you know, when it comes to basketball, quiet weekend, they did have a couple of guys. Maybe get some information they didn't want to hear, like Jared Valencia. He's called off his announcement for where he's going to go after visiting K State. There was a guard, R.J. Lewis, who has decided not to come to K-State to visit, mm-hmm. and he was supposed to be here today. Really, that's it. It's been quiet other than that. Uh, but what we do hope to hear tomorrow, Baby Shack, Ooh. Sean Phillips, that's right. is going to be announcing his uh, commitment tomorrow, if he's still sticking to that timeline. So there's the uh, K-State men's basketball discussion that might be taking place tomorrow. But we'll see what happens. We're not even sure yet what time he's supposed to make that announcement. But he's the, uh, he's the big guy from Arizona. And he's a 22, 2022 kid, high school kid. 
that's pretty solid. So we'll see how that plays out. But right now what we do know, the Royals making a big move earlier today, and that is the front office has decided to get rid of the hitting coach Terry Bradshaw. And he became the full-time guy up for the Royals in 2018, same time as Cal Eldred uh, when he came the pitching coach in 2018. Mm-hmm. So they came aboard at the same time. And the thing is, though, Bradshaw, he's been with the organization for two decades plus. So he is, he's been around the Royals organi- organization, of course, for a very long time. And, however, I mean, this year it's been so bad. I mean... I've mentioned when we do the the Thursday thing where you just take a segment to tell us how bad they are. I mean, the Royals are getting shut out or scoring like a run or two runs most of the time. As a matter of fact, I can give you the nugget. Kansas City has played a total of 32 games, and over half of them, Kansas City has failed to score more than three runs. Mm -hmm. Three runs or less in 17 of those games. Whit Merrifield is hitting right now 183. A lot of the power guys you would imagine would be the good hitters have been under 200 up until recently. We've seen Bobby Witt Jr. and Salvador Perez improve their numbers, but heck, the team is still the fifth worst in baseball hitting the ball. And you know, when you take a look at what the numbers break down even deeper, 12th in the American League in walks, 13th in home runs hit, 13th in hits, period, 14th in doubles, 13th in team batting average. And that's the American League. And that's just in the American League. 13 of 15 teams. See, the numbers I was mentioning when it comes to, like, for instance, the batting average at 224 as a team, it's the fifth worst in all mm-hmm. of baseball. Mm-hmm. That's everybody. Yeah, when you but when you just get the breakdown even of the American League, it makes it that much more stark because you're just like, good grief. Well, and I'll add this as well. To tell you how crummy the American League Central is, oh, geez. I would imagine the Tigers and White Sox are maybe the two battling for those bottom spots as well with the Royals in, in hitting. And how about this? The National League West has no one with a losing record, while the American League Central looks like Detroit in the 80s. Not baseball-wise, just Detroit in the 80s. Robocop well, I mean, era. to tell you, I mean, the Royals are six and a half back right now with a record of 12 and 20. And this was something brought up actually in the press conference that J.J. Piccolo and Mike Matheny had this afternoon regarding the change and going with now Alec Zumwalt, who's been in the organization doing some work hitting wise uh, in the organization. He replaces Bradshaw. They brought up that, and Piccolo just out and out stated it, they think that they're still in this race. They think that they still have a chance to make things happen, given the state of the American League Central. That's pretty damning about what the American League Central is right now in terms of overall play. You know, the White Sox come into tonight at 17-20. and 20. They had a stretch where they won eight straight, yet are 17-20. and 20. Well, I mean... <laughs> Let me make a comparison here with the NFC East in the NFL. You know, if the Dallas Cowboys start the year three and six, true. You yeah. know, they definitely yeah. feel good about their chances of potentially winning the division. But it definitely, you have to have better outputs than Nicky Lopez, a buck 90, 19 hits, 17 strikeouts. Uh, you brought up Bobby Witt. He has more strikeouts than he does hits. 
26 hits, 30 strikeouts in his plate appearances thus far this year. And can we please just scuttle Carlos Santana, just out and out, jet him out of the roster? 10 of 70, 143. The only thing that he's done well this year is walk, 17 walks. That's it. If you need him in a spot where you need a walk, maybe that's you utilize him as a pinch hitter, but I, yeah, 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 yeah. He showed us what he was late last year, and now the early part of this year, it's not gotten any better, and it's brutal. So the idea with this change is that Zumwalt has essentially been a consultant, if you will, for some of the younger players and trying to help them make adjustments even during their time in minor leagues. So it wasn't just a case of uh, a guy who's sitting in an office at Kauffman Stadium and gets pulled out of that office to become the hitting coach. This is a guy who's had active connection with some of the young guys, such as Melendez, Prado. You've got Witt, of course, in that mix. Had connections with with Whit Merrifield uh, when he was coming up. So he's he's been someone who has been a part of their plans, just that he's not been as visible as what Terry Bradshaw would be or what any of the minor league hitting coaches were. It, you could almost call him a system-wide hitting instructor. And now he becomes the guy in Kansas City. They say it's strictly for this year, that this isn't a trial. We'll see. We know how that works. Uh, so it will be interesting to see. But given his experience working with the youth on this roster, it it probably is a smart move to make because they sure haven't been getting uh, great performances out of those youth that they were counting on thus far. I mean, there, there's only so much that you can say that you're going to get out of Salvi and, and Whit Merrifield that they aren't going to figure out a way to correct, really, in the long run themselves. Yeah, since you're more the baseball guy than I am, I, I wanted to ask you, if, just kind of pick your brain and maybe see if this is an issue where where Terry Bradshaw fell behind. I mean, we know with Whit Merrifield and, and Salvador Perez, I mean, they're skilled enough. They can go up to the plate and and hopefully get you some hits. I mean, but is the breakdown when it comes to actually scouting these pitchers mm-hmm. and scouting the defense of opposing players? Like, is that where sometimes a hitting coach can fall behind on their work and making sure this offense is is knowledgeable of what they're about to face? Like, is that a big factor? It is probably in trying to help young players understand it when they're coming up um, and and be able to make the adjustments necessary for what guys are doing. One of the things I've liked about even just watching K-State, and Monica asked me about this the other night as we're sitting there watching the game, and I had noted it, and that is you know utilizing the, the cards attached to their belt where they have an idea in a situation what a pitcher is likely to throw. That that type of scouting goes on at the major league level but and at the minor league level. The major league guys, 
approach it in, in you know that they get it during the course of the day. They're at the ballpark early. They're they're getting those thoughts early on. And a hitting coach is probably there as a good reminder guy. But when you've got young guys that are coming up from the minors, you have to impress on them how important those adjustments still are and how important those things can be. When you're in the minors, you know you still get it at this point, but it's nowhere near what the breakdowns can be at the major league level because you've got the multitude of guys sitting in the back room that are putting it all together via video and computers. All right, let's 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 push the pause button on that because when we come back, I, I want to continue to talk about the Royals and on the flip side, because you mentioned at the beginning of the segment, wrong coach. And I know who you're talking about. We'll talk about that guy when we come back. Royals and White Sox tonight from Kauffman Stadium. And the breaking news for the White Sox today is who's going to be starting this game on the mound. That is none other than World Series champion in 2015 with the Kansas City Royals, Johnny Cueto. will start for the Chicago White Sox <laughs> they at were Kauffman ho- Stadium. I know that they're hoping to get Giolito back after he's been on the uh, COVID-related list since the weekend. Is this the first you're hearing of this news? Of Cueto yeah. throwing? Actually, yes. Oh, I did not realize well, that me, he was going tonight. Well, no. let me tell you what the situation is. So what the White Sox did, they purchased his contract today from AAA Charlotte. Yep. They optioned Danny Mendick, an infielder, to Charlotte. And so Cueto, at 36 years old, he's got an 0-1 record, a 5.17 ERA. Certainly not the numbers he had, mm-hmm. at least uh, what they're projected to be when the Royals traded with the Chicago I'm sorry with the Cincinnati Reds to pick him up in 2015. Here's the thing, the the White Sox understand that they're in a pinch here because it's 5 games in 4 days that they're going to have to play. With Giolito being down because of COVID and they're unsure when exactly he's going to get cleared to be back. You find such things as who can we get in here to pitch for us tonight. I guess we're going to have to reach for Cueto off the minor league roster. Can you take a guess of what I might be Googling right now or trying to YouTube right now for Johnny Cueto? World Series highlights? Oh, not necessarily. Oh, boy. Do you remember this? Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto, welcome to Kansas City. Dear God. Johnny Baseball, Johnny Baseball, <laughs> won't you help us win the World Series? Every Dominicano, el rey Dominicano, el rey Dominicano, los reales es muy fuego. You don't remember this? There's like a dog dancing around. There's some dude in white pants and no shirt dancing around. I I lived outstate, man. Remember, I was living in Colorado at the time. Yeah, but you're still a Royals guy, right? Yes. I just didn't follow to the point of getting that. Holy cow. That's... I mean, that's oh, six Lord. years, ten months old. Here comes Brandon Peoples. He is feeling nostalgic right now after hearing that song. Here comes, here comes Brandon Peoples. He has something to say. Hey, just, just tell me that wasn't you singing, no, or or dancing for that matter. Come on, Big Steve. What are you doing? <laughs> no, that's not me. But uh, okay, thank goodness. That song. 
I, yeah, I, I'm getting the, the chills just oh, here. Oh, jeez. Sorry, the boom arm had the wrong <laughs> label on it, so I turned the chills. wrong mic on it. He's here. got goosebumps, people, after hearing that 55-second song. Oh, and I forgot about the Cool Wit song. Hold up a second. Let's see here. Remember this one, Brandon? One, two, uh, three, go! He's cool with no, no, I don't remember this. Play the fear. He can play second. He can play third. He can play left. He can steal your girl. Wow. So fresh. I guess we get it. But this is where we dance on sprockets. That's what that sounded like. It sounded like uh, Michael Myers uh, on Saturday Night Live right there. Man, it reminds me of some better times. It reminds me of some better times. All right, Troy, uh, tell us about Kel Eldred and why the wrong coach was fired. Here's the deal. I think they both should be gone. If you go back to the numbers in 2018, they've been consistently bad other than 2020 pitching. Problem, 2020 was actually decent. The problem is, is that Eldred is a buddy with Matheny. Let's just be perfectly honest about it. Fifteenth uh, in earned run average in the American League. In other words, worst in the American League. Fifteenth in the American League in runs allowed and earned runs allowed. Fifteenth in strikeouts. Thirteenth in walks. About the only thing that they haven't done is give up home runs. They're currently eighth in home runs. But the numbers are atrocious, and that's even before you look at the meltdown yesterday uh, in Colorado where literally give up seven runs and one out in the seventh inning uh, before they were able to stem the tide there, which, by the way, does happen occasionally. Teams go into Denver and completely have a meltdown at some point during the game. That's just baseball at Coors. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but Well, I mean, and also the, uh, the Colorado Rockies – Pitching wise, oh, might they're, they're actually bullpen. be worse. Their, their bullpen, uh, ERA, uh, I shouldn't say bullpen, but their ERA from the seventh inning on in ball games is five and a half. So yeah, it's it's not good when you get past their starting rotation, and even the starting rotation is mediocre, as we saw on Friday night with the guy that they just re-upped to a five-year contract. Because he's the local hero, and everybody immediately was like, why? Guy's got an ERA of over four and a half. Why are you re-upping to a five-year deal? And but, if you look at the you know the draft, yes. where the Royals have been trying to rebuild, what it, or they're going pitcher, 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 when it comes to trying to... Yes, go ahead. I know well, you're, you're going to say the same thing. Well, they, they don't develop them when they get to the majors. They don't develop them when they get to the majors. They stink... And they don't stick around. I mean, there's nobody who's been the most consistent this year when it comes to a starting pitcher. You've got two guys, and they're both veterans. Grinky being one of the two. I mean, yeah, I don't think you can argue even about how consistent that he has been. The clock has to be ticking on Cal Eldred. If you look at the numbers from 2018 to now, when they both, him and Terry Bradshaw, became hitting and pitching coaches. Their numbers, when it comes to either scoring runs, ERA, I mean, almost across the board, when it comes mm-hmm. to the true numbers you need to win that tell you if you've been winning or not, other than wins and losses, they have been bottom third 
of Major League Baseball in all of those major categories except in 2020, pitching when they're actually, in some categories, top half of the American League and a bit decent that gave you a little bit of optimism for 2021. One of the things that stands out to me about just the the ongoing aspects of this pitching staff seems like that every time that they send one of the guys out, one of these young pitchers that they're not getting developed at the major league level, they turn around and they pitch well at AAA, earn themselves the callback back up. And yet, why do they lose it in the majors? Why, where's that touch being lost? Well, how much of that is coaching? How much of that is the difference of what they're working on and being counseled to work on when they go to Omaha versus what Cal Eldred is wanting them to do when they get to the majors? How much of that is working on pitches that maybe are out of their norm, say working on an idea for a second pitch, I've seen allegations that Cal Eldred doesn't want them working on anything beyond fastball, curveball, slider. Your typical three. Your typical three. Well, okay, what if you get someone who has what essentially can be called a vertical slider? That's something that uh, we've seen Max Scherzer utilizing a lot already this year to great success. The other day, someone had a home plate view, a video of, of him throwing. And that thing, as a slider, went literally just shot down on him. There was no way you're going to hit that ball. No way you're going to swing over the top of that with your timing, uh, because it, you know, it dropped down twelve to six. But unlike a curveball, it dropped down like it fell off a table, much faster. And if that's being worked on by guys, why not give them a chance to do that at the major league level? You're not losing anything at this point to give them the shot at working on it in game action, given that right now with the numbers say you are as a pitching staff, you might as well give them the opportunity to try and come up with some different ideas and get yourselves out of it. But instead, uh, you find yourselves going back to the old ways of thinking, apparently at the major league level with Cal Eldred, and that has to change. That has to change because it's not working with these young pitchers. By the way, uh, starting tonight for the Royals will be stellar Brad Keller, who is 1-3. I think wins and losses are somewhat overrated. And that's the other consistent pitcher this year for the Royals. Yeah, and he is, uh, well, he has been consistent before this year, before last year as well. Now I will mention that he doesn't get the run support no. that he should get. And that and therein goes back to the discussion about uh, the, this team and the number of runs they're getting. Your top two pitchers could be both a lot better than what their records are. Greinke still searching for that first win of the season, and Keller at 1-3. and three. By all rights, they both should have more than what has happened thus far. All right, before we uh, wrap up this hour, we need to get to Sam Honeybuns. We're going to do it right now as he has his movie review from the weekend. Welcome to the Micro Movie Minute with me, Sam Honey. Today we're taking a look at Firestarter. Daddy. What's going on, sweetie? Something feels weird. Something's changing. You remember the tools we tight, right? 
Based on the Stephen King novel and remake of the 1984 movie of the same name, Firestarter follows a dad, played by Zac Efron, trying to protect his daughter, played by Ryan Kira Armstrong, from a shitty government organization from capturing her for her fire-starting powers. Is Firestarter a roaring good time, or is it just the flame on the bag of poop you put on your neighbor's front porch? I was actually really excited to see this movie based on the trailer alone. The score was fantastic, the story looked more interesting than the original, and it was made by the same people who worked on The Invisible Man, which was one of my favorite modern horror movies. Sadly, Firestarter is a boring mess that really didn't need to be made. I get the recent remaking of Stephen King movies, because most of them suck, but you could tell this one wanted to market off the ongoing popularity of superhero movies. Like I said, this movie is so boring, I'm having trouble just coming up with the words to describe how boring it is. For a movie called Firestarter, there really isn't a lot of fire starting. Most of the first half of the movie is characters just repeating the same lines of dialogue to each other, almost verbatim. The characters also have no personality whatsoever. Efron's performance made it feel like he was trying to hold back a fart the whole time. He just had this tired, constipated look on his face, and the acting matched. That's about how every character in this movie felt except for Kirkwood Smith, Red from that 70s show, and he's only in the movie for like two minutes. Honestly, everyone felt like they could have fallen asleep at any moment due to how bored they acted. Also, I don't know if this is because I watched it on the Peacock app, but the sound mixing was terrible. All the action sounds were so quiet, but the dialogue was turned to mock, oh my god, my ears are bleeding. The one singular positive comment I have about Firestarter is the score. It was composed by legendary composer and horror director John Carpenter. Overall, Firestarter is just plain boring, and that is a sin in which I cannot forgive. That's why I'm giving Firestarter one fake burning baby out of five. That will wrap up this week's Micro Movie Minute with me, Sam Honey. There he is, Sam Honeybuns. You'll have a movie preview coming up on Friday. Hour 2 of the game is coming up next.